Are you a master's level social worker? Are you interested in becoming a clinical social worker, meaning you can do therapy with your license? Then this episode is for you. Hi, everybody. This is Crystal Martinez Acosta, licensed professional counselor, board certified therapist, with the podcast that demystifies therapy, humanizes therapists, and destigmatizes mental illness. Thanks for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist. In the last episode, I spoke with a master's level social worker. She talks about her journey in becoming a clinical social worker. And today, I have two fully licensed clinical social workers who talk to us about their careers, what it took for them to get there, and what their jobs are like. We have Erica Barrales and Alveli Alcantara, and they're here to talk to us about social work. So, um, Erica, would you like to start? Sure. Um, my name's Erica Barrales. I live here in California, Orange County, California. I have pretty much been in social work since 2003 in the social work field. I didn't really want to start off being a social worker. I wanted to be a teacher, but I kind of fell into social work, which is kind of funny because my family is like, were a bunch of helpers. So I guess I was really just destined to be in social work because when I started in social work, it just felt really natural to me. I graduated from Cal State Fullerton with my undergrad in 2005, and then I attended Cal State Long Beach here in California, and I got my Master of Social Work in 2009. Um during that time, in 2006, I started working in Children Family Services, uh, which is DCFS, here in Orange County. And, um, you know, they just really were supportive with me getting my master's. And then shortly thereafter, a few years later, I got licensed with my LCSW in 2014. Perfect. Thanks for that introduction. Very interesting. Yeah. And it, I think, Alveli, you're in a different state, correct? I am. I'm in North Carolina. Okay. Do you want to go ahead and talk to us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So my name is Alveli Alcantara. And like I said, I'm living in North Carolina. I'm originally from New York City, but I've been in North Carolina since 2006. I got my master's in social work at University of Southern California, but I did their, yes, I did their online program, the mm. virtual academy, academy, academic center is what they call it. And um, I graduated from there in 2014 and I became fully licensed, I think it was last year. Yes, last March 2017, I became fully licensed as a licensed clinical social worker in the state of North Carolina. Bachelor's, I did a bachelor's in psychology, and um, I feel like I fell into social work. I was always a helper growing up, but I did not know um, that I could be a therapist. Growing up Latina, I didn't think, I just didn't see people being therapists. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't exposed to it. And so as a kid, I remember wanting to be either a teacher or a police officer, and then... Uh, it was in high school where I realized that all of my friends would always come to me and um, I got exposed to our guidance counselor and that's kind of when I was introduced to it and then, you know, it just went from there. 
Well, that's kind of like just listening to you when you were saying that, you know, as a, a young a young child, you were just a helper. And that's kind of how I felt, too. Like, I fell into it, but it was kind of like it was destined, you know? Because right. as, as Latinos, it's like, I, I remember my grandpa was like the one that everybody went to when they needed help. And all of his children, which my mom and my uncles and aunts the same way. So it's just you know, being exposed to it, it's, it's funny how, you know, in the end of the day, you, you're destined to be what you're destined to be, and, and when you fall into it, it it's kind of like full circle. Mm-hmm, and it just fits, like, you just feel it. Yeah. For me, I, I felt it yeah. in my heart that this is where I had to go. Of course, yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny that you all bring that up, especially about culture, because that's something I try to interview people of color who are in this profession, because I think representation is really important because like for me as well, I didn't really, you know, see people uh, who look like me that were in like really high professional positions. So, yeah, I think it's really important. And I actually went to this talk a while ago, Institute for Chicano Psychology. They're based out of, I believe, Houston, Texas. And they talk about um, how counseling really belongs to Latinx people, because like you said, like with your grandfather, that's a very natural form of counseling, right? Like they go to him for consejos or for help. And like all of a sudden, um, now that's called therapy and you need a certificate for it. You know what I mean? But really, it's something that has belonged to us. Exactly, exactly. Right. So can you can you talk to me a little bit about what what was it about social work that was special to you and why it appealed to you? Maybe versus like becoming a licensed professional counselor or a marriage and family therapist. What was it about social work specifically for you all? For me, um, I, I just I didn't think of you know, the LPCC or LMFT route, because I just felt like social work is so diverse. Like, you don't just have to be a therapist, or you don't just have to work at DCFS. Like, there's other avenues, there's other um, areas in social work that you can expand to. And I, for me, that was appealing, because I felt like, well, if I get bored, you know, working DCFS, maybe I can go be a school social worker or, you know, whatever other field. It's just very uh, more broad than the LMFT or LPCC route. I didn't want to just be stuck in the counseling or, you know, because I get bored, you know, like I want to, I want to, you know, I want to expand. If, you know, I feel like social work is so broad and like, so many aspects to it that are appealing that I'm just like, you know, I really want to have my doors open, like, you know, options open. Mm-hmm. Right. For me, it was very similar. When I first learned about, oh, I can be a therapist, I was thinking of being a licensed marriage family therapist because oh. I was always fascinated with relationships mm-hmm. and or a sex counselor. But, um, I was married really young. I was 19 years old when I got married, and my husband was in the military. That's when we moved from New York City to oh. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. 
when I, so I had finished my first year of college in New York, but then when I moved here, um, I had to enroll in a community college because I did not know my way around. It was a complete culture shock coming from New York City to North Carolina. And I can imagine. And for me, I'm from, I'm, I was born in the Dominican Republic, but I did not realize until I moved to North Carolina that a lot of people had this perception that all Latinos were either Mexican um, so that was also a huge culture shock for me. But um, when he left the army, we, we, you know, when we left the army, he was struggling with a lot of his own issues, uh, mental health stuff going on. And so we were going to the VA. And at that point, I was completing my bachelor's in psychology, and I did not know where to go from there. I had not no one had ever told me that you can't do much with a bachelor's in psychology. So, oh, same. When I was the same going, thing happened to me. <laughs> yeah. That is frustrating. Yeah. I, I was so excited when I got it, and I'm like, oh, I can't really do much with it. So, when I would go to the VA with my husband, I would realize that a lot of the therapists there have masters in social work. And, um, so I started interviewing people in the field, LPCs, LCSWs, to ask them what it was like being in that particular field. And everything about social work for me just fit with who I am as a person, particularly the, the core values of social work, which right. is service, social justice, integrity, yeah. the dignity and worth of the person. All There's six of them, and all of them, were so close to who I am as a person that it just felt like that was the path I had to take. Um, anyway. That was very, like, some, like, I would have never thought, oh, let me interview MSWs, let me interview, you know, like, LPCs. <laughs> That's, like, very cool that you did that. Yeah, that you had oh, the, <laughs> like, forethought, like, oh, let me, like, yeah. ask these people what's up, like. That's really cool. I know, <laughs> I wish I would have done that. I would have never, I would have been like, what? I just, you know, I would have never yeah. thought of doing that, but that was really, like, insightful, like, hey, you know what? Let me see. Like, yeah. Right. That's cool. I think that came mostly from learning from my experience of doing a bachelor's in psychology and then not wanting to, to like uh -huh. mess up and not have many options after. Uh -huh. um, and that was really helpful also because I had this idea that social workers were the people that came to your house and took your kids. I was just really uh, believe you grew up Yeah. Oh my gosh, that it's true. Because it's like, when you say, oh, I'm a social worker, they're like, oh, do you take kids away? So that's like <laughs> people's perception of social work. Right. So, yeah, I'm glad that I didn't believe that perception <laughs> and that I went into it anyway. Because yeah. it's so much more than that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess my follow-up question to that is why you pursued the clinical social work route versus kind of just staying at the master's level licensure. And, you know, because you all are saying that social work is very versatile. You don't have to just, you know, be a therapist. You can work in a hospital. You can work in case management. You can be an administrator. You can, They teach you to do a lot of things. Um, so what was it about the clinical route that you were like, okay, this is what I want to do? For me, it was... Um 
at the time that I that I was finishing undergrad and was starting grad school, it was a lot of my husband's experience in the military, and then the mental health effects of that after he got out. Um, and I, when I went to grad school, and the reason why I chose USC in California was because I wanted to work with veterans and families in the military. And they had, they have a military social work sub-concentration. But I just saw myself um, focusing on therapy and doing therapy with people instead of anything else. At that time, that's kind of where my head was at. Now I'm more open to anything like I'm interested in school social work um, and different even like hospital work but um, at that time it was just that and here in the state of North Carolina um, if you're fully licensed if you have uh, your LCSW you make more money than an MSW <laughs> yeah. so that was part of it too yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, for me, um, I went to Cal State Long Beach, which is only like maybe 10, 15 miles from USC um, main campus. But uh, my program at Cal State Long Beach, the master's in social work program, um, really had an emphasis on like, okay, you know, LCSW is your next step. That's the route to go. And they explain, you know, and, and kind of like Alveli, I wanted to go into therapy at that at that point you know and and in order to be a therapist a, a clinical therapist uh, you needed your LCSW and then also the money you know more money but um, now it's like it gives me more of options like right now I'm I'm supervising um, ASWs for their clinical hours so you can do that and then you know after DCFS because I've been there almost 15 years you know I plan on staying maybe another five to ten years after that I can open my own practice or I can go mm -hmm. teach so that's kind of why I'm I, I pursued my LCSW because it's like the more money and then it opens more doors yeah it sounds like when you're an LCSW it kind of gives you this foundation to be able to later down the line, you can choose a different career because you already have the clinical foundation, which I think is really important either way in social work, whether you choose, you know, micro or macro or whatever, you still, I think having a clinical background is really helpful. And you're right. I think it does open a lot of doors. Can I ask you the opposite question? Why is it that you didn't want to go, let's say, the macro route or like the policy route and all that stuff? Because in social work, there's two areas of study, micro and macro. I was in undergrad. You know, they give you policy classes. And for me, it was like, OK, well, I have to take it. So I'm going to take it. I've never really I was never really interested in the macro because I had my experience very micro now working in the in the county which is government i'm now opening my eyes to macro like okay you know i kind of have a, an interest in it now where before i was like no i just want to do micro 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 but after your experience after your you know you get licensed it's like now with all the policies and and regulations that the president, I won't name, but the president is... Amal, you president. can name him. You, We yeah. know who you're talking about. <laughs> I know, but I don't like naming 
Oh, you're like, it triggers me. Let's just not. Oh, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but now it's like, now it's affecting me and my family and my friends. It's like, so now I'm more interested in the macro. But, and so that's why having an LCSW, it's good. It's good because, you know, you can move around and you can do more things. Yeah, it's very similar to me. I when I went into grad school, I mostly wanted to work with individuals, and so we were exposed to a lot of um, like policy classes. And while I enjoyed them, they just weren't what I wanted to do professionally. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, you're like <laughs> that's just what I didn't want to do and that's totally okay. Right. It's totally yeah. okay. I I think that's a really important component of discovering what you want to do with your psychology degree or your social work degree because there are some things that you're like nope, not going to do that. Like right. I'll hate right. it. Right. Like yeah. yeah. Of course. So can I ask you both, what is it that you do for work, and what's a typical day at work like for you? So, um, I have been working at a nonprofit in Durham. It's called El Futuro. And so, we primarily serve the Latinx community. Um, and most of what we do there is a lot of trauma work. We see a lot of individuals with depression, anxiety, all kinds of trauma. Um, we serve a lot of undocumented immigrants, families, and so what my typical day there looks like is, you know, I see five to six clients per day. Um, it's very heavy in trauma, and it can get really overwhelming sometimes, but I think this is why it's really important to have your own self-care practice apart from that. But I love what I do there. I've been there since I graduated, so about almost four years now. And I've learned, I've learned so much about myself, but also about trauma work and about working with this population. Because when I went into grad school, I had, I was never thinking about working with the Latinx community. It was while I was in grad school that I was exposed to it because I wanted to work with the military community. And I kind of just stuck with it. I really like it. I love working with the community. I love being able to do therapy in Spanish which was difficult at first because we're not really trained in grad school with clinical language and so i do that i'm I'm there four days a week and on i work at a private practice on saturday so i'm off mondays and sundays i work at a private practice and it's completely different and the reason why i i recently made that choice to work at a private practice was because i wanted to expand my skill set because I felt like I was I feel really competent working with the Latinx community but I felt like I was slacking doing clinical work in English unless I was doing it in Spanglish with like the teenage clients or the young right. the young college clients that I have that that therapy is usually in Spanglish which is wonderful and I love it but I realized that um since, you know, Trump became president, we also started getting people that are not Latinx and um, that were primarily English speakers. And I would feel really insecure doing therapy with them, although everything I learned in grad school was in English. All of my clinical skills are in English because I hadn't used them in so long. I was really rusty. 
So now with working at El Futuro and working at the private practice, I have the perfect balance because I'm being exposed not just to the Latinx community, but all kinds of other people um, with different presentations. And it's challenging me in a way that I did not know was going to, to happen for me. And so I'm really grateful for that right now. That is so cool. And you know what? I like, I totally feel you with the whole like agency work. I work at a nonprofit full time. And so um, we work with a lot of trauma and that's really hard. So I'm hoping that you're taking care of yourself. And I am. (laughs) You know, because that's really hard. Yeah. So for me, I, um, like I said before, I work um, here at DCFS in Orange County. I've been here. as a senior social worker since 2007 um and i work so i'm a spanish i'm a uh, bilingual spanish uh social worker so my my caseload primarily consists of um spanish-speaking immigrant or uh, latino uh or latino but english-speaking so i i get what you're saying when you're talking to you know a latino client versus a non-latino client or english-speaking client it's it's the language it's it's kind of hard because mm-hmm. like you said you know in studying we we learned you know the english uh, like our clinical work is uh, with english-speaking clients but with spanish-speaking i mean i'm fluent in spanish but sometimes i'm like i don't know how to say that word in Spanish so it can sound clinical so sometimes it's like like mocho like I try to <laughs> I try to <laughs> say it and I just say it in English and kind of explain what it means and uh-huh. so that's difficult I do definitely understand that so what I do is um, I'm a continuing uh, worker for foster children who are in the foster care system who have either behavior, developmental, or medical disorders, and um, the children are in a foster home, and I'm working with that those caregivers plus the parents to try and reunify with the children. So a typical day is, uh, you know, consists of me out in the field visiting the children, making sure, you know, they're getting their education, medical, whatever needs they have, and then also working with the parents to, you know, um, refer them to outside agencies so that they can complete the court orders to reunify with their kids. It can be very overwhelming, and I can take some of these cases home sometimes where, you know, it's it's very <clears throat> evident that self-care is mm-hmm. needed. So I try and do self-care at least once a day. <laughs> at least, cool. like, you know, a glass of wine when I get home or just, like, blast my music up on my way home and just like sing to, at the top of my lungs or something definitely affects you especially when it comes uh-huh. to child abuse you know but but I love it I, I love my job and it's just you know social work is just so like like I said before versatile where uh-huh. I could do other things but it's like why I love what I do right now but in a few right. years if I get tired you know I have options I definitely appreciate how you kind of talked about self-care. Both of you already addressed it, especially when you work with, you know, really vulnerable populations like children in foster care. Like that has to be one of the most vulnerable populations I think we have. Oh, definitely. 
definitely. And and then if they've experienced abuse on top of that or they have like a medical issue or things like that, like I can imagine, I mean, and I mentioned this in a previous episode with some other folks that, you know, we we're compassionate people. This is why we came into yeah. this field because we want to help, you know, but it t- <laughs> it definitely takes a toll. Like so Oh, yes. Like being prepared to be exposed to that kind of stuff is is really yeah, important. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, cool. Like you want to help people and you're all gung ho about it. Yeah. But when it really comes down to it and, you know, you're in the day to day, it can be kind of like depressing sometimes or it can be yeah. kind of. But it's also definitely. really rewarding. Right. Like you're yeah, like, oh, really. man. Yes, definitely. But I like how you said you have to prepare yourself. So every day before I go into work, I mentally I take like one to two minutes to like mentally kind of prepare myself to be like okay what's the day gonna you know bring me today and sometimes it's like we have emergencies like you know and I know my coworker that just had a a family it was like a murder-suicide you know because they were gonna take the kids away and and things like that that come up obviously you can't prepare for it because you don't expect that but just really really being aware of like okay you know what I can't do this right now I need to like go outside and take a breath and then mentally prepare yourself to come back in and and deal with things right it's like I think that self-care is more than just doing things like taking a bath or stuff like that it's it's also setting boundaries and Mm -hmm. knowing when you have reached your limit and doing that like taking a walk outside and just taking a deep breath and then going back to it. I I wonder also, I know that you say both of you, you love your jobs. Alveli, you said that you finally found a balance between the two populations that you want to work with and you feel, I, I guess, clinically like at ease with where you are experiencing those two things. And then um, Erica, you want to stay with your your agency for a little longer so I guess if you can just, if you could use your degree to get your dream job, what would you become or what would you choose? Because I know that, like, you're probably really happy with where you yeah. are, but if you could choose something. Oh, right. If I could choose, I would not be at that age. <laughs> I would be doing, Yeah. Oh, that's tough. What would I do? Like, what's my dream job? Obviously, my dream job would be, like, sipping on a Mai Tai and, (laughs) you know, Fiji and maybe doing therapy, like, on FaceTime or something. But uh, (laughs) With, like, a martini in your hand. (laughs) Right, with a martini in my hand. Of course, that's so ethical, so legal. um, (laughs) My my goal when I... um, leave the agency is maybe opening up my own practice and making it a group practice working with undocumented immigrants or something just really like giving back to my community to the latino community like that's that would be my dream obviously making millions of dollars but (laughs) (laughs) right yeah i said you know dream big there's no limits (laughs) Getting paid like five hundred dollars an hour, you know. Yeah, yeah, that would be ideal. But yeah, for me, it's it's um, 
I want to work for myself, so that's also one of the reasons why I'm exploring this practice option. Right now, I'm at a group practice, so I'm not on my own, but I would just like to have that freedom of working for myself. Community mental health is really hard and also rewarding, like, like we said earlier, but I, now that I'm exposed to the private practice model, I really like how that runs and um, I can see myself doing that. So I'm working towards that. But the Latinx community has a very special place in my heart. And so I would love to continue to see Latinx clients, but also to do groups. So I have a lot of group ideas for the Latinx population. I think that our community, our community is so collect. It's like a collective community, and therapy can be very individual. Just you and the therapist, and I think that a lot more healing can happen in a group setting full of other Latinx participants. So, um, yeah, we just like to have groups for women, groups for teenagers to teach them self compassion. Um, yeah, just all these ideas that I have in my head, but I just don't yeah. have the time to plan out for and. Right. So I think that if I were to work in my own private practice and make my schedule the way I want it, I will be able to have time to then come up with these group ideas and go, you know, do them where I currently work at um, the nonprofit right now. So yeah, that would be my dream job and making good money. <laughs> and making good money. <laughs> yeah, that's a really smart, um, like, format for treatment. And it makes sense because it's natural. Like... A bunch right. of people in Latinx communities, we are we are from a collective culture. So like why not make groups, right? Like right. <laughs> makes right. makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see like groups in a, in in combination with the individual therapy so that they can work on the deeper issues, but right. Yeah. Like a I combo. I want to do stuff like yoga groups. Um, oh my God, that would be awesome. Yeah, it would. Because right now, I see even when I go to yoga classes, I'm you know, here, and well, I live in Raleigh, so it's more diverse than other cities in North Carolina. But even when I go to yoga classes, I don't see a lot of people of color. I may be one of two. And so mm-hmm. I want to, you know, continue learning about yoga, doing yoga teacher training, and then bringing that to our community. That would be so awesome. That would be, I would love to do that. Oh, my God, I'm going to copy you. <laughs> We're all just going to copy you. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, that is great. Hi, I wonder also, so I guess just kind of to wrap up, what is some general advice for people who want to be social workers or clinical social workers? I have three. Okay. I thought about oh. this. Okay. And um, Erica, I was telling Crystal earlier on that my husband is thinking of pursuing a master's in social work. Oh, and so. So I, I was asking him, mm-hmm. I was telling him about this podcast, and he said, what would you tell me um, in okay. terms of advice if yeah. I wanted to pursue this? And so the number one thing for me is the importance of having a self-care practice and knowing what that looks like for you. It's going to look differently for everyone, but almost like what fills you up physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Um so that like having a committed self-care practice that you can turn to because there will be time in your career where you are going to experience the secondary trauma and yes. 
the burnout. So that one is really important. And along with that is the importance of having your own therapist and also a good supervisor. But for me, having my own therapist that I can go to and process things going on in my life or sometimes you might be working with a client whose history is very similar to your own and they might bring mm-hmm. up things for you. So I think that we bring ourselves and our experiences into the room with the clients and so because what we do is based on relationships, having our own space to go to and to process what's going on and um, how we're feeling is really important to help us become self-aware and help us actually be a better therapist so that we don't bring all of our baggage into the therapy session. Right. And, and then just continue to learn. I think that we are lifelong students, and so um, taking different um, workshops, different CEs, and just finding what works for you and continuing to learn more about it. Yeah, that's really important. So sure. That's great and, advice. And, right. And, yeah, definitely self-care is, like, for me, my, my top priority is, like, because... Like they say, and I always use this analogy, like they do it in the airplanes, you know, the flight attendants, you put the mask on yourself first before you put it on your children or whoever else. Because if you can't take care of yourself, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. Uh So definitely self-care is in the forefront. And um, I would just tell people, like, really look deep inside of you to see if if you... If this is for you, social work is for you, just because going into social work, and it's funny because my sister pursued, she just got her MSW, um, she pursued social work because she, you know, she saw that I was really fulfilled in it and she, and she loves it. So that became her passion, but, but just really thinking like, okay, is social work for me? Because if you go into social work and you don't feel it like you're not gonna be you're not gonna be uh, beneficial to anybody else you know what I mean like I don't know how to explain it but if yeah. it's not in your heart like mm-hmm. I've seen it with other co-workers or whatever that it's not in their heart and I see how they treat their clients and it's like that's not so short so it makes, mm-hmm. it's just like you have to have the compassion the empathy and then to be to become an LCSW, I just really think that opens up so many doors, and it's like another added bonus to your degree, to your resume, and just continue to learn, like Alveli said, you know, just continue to take those trainings, read books, you know, talk to people, because it's really important. Add more things to your to your box so that you can become a well-rounded social worker. Absolutely. I agree with everything you both said. And that goes for whether you're in social work or even like I'm a licensed professional counselor. And I totally agree with everything you just said, like really looking inside yourself. In a previous episode, we've talked about taking a personal inventory, really making sure that this is what you want to do and you're in the right place because if you're doing it for the money or you're doing it for the prestige quote unquote like you're in the wrong <laughs> field yeah, like, definitely in the wrong field yeah. yeah so I really appreciate you all doing this interview with me um, I really want to just give 
people insight into what it's like to be a mental health professional. And you all spoke to what it's like to be a licensed clinical social worker. Do you have any other final thoughts? No, I just really encourage people to, you know, pursue this this profession. If it's in your heart, like like Alveli and I said, you know, we fell into it, but it it it's where we were destined to be like it was in our heart and and it clicked so if it definitely is in your heart and you really feel like the pull into social work like go for it one last special thank you to these two ladies who were my guests today i truly appreciate your time and for everything you do for the mental health community if you haven't yet I encourage you to check out the previous episodes on becoming a therapist. This whole season is dedicated to discovering and exploring different mental health professions. Stay tuned for the next episode. It's all about clinical supervision. Go to www.throughtheeyesofatherapist.org for more information. Thanks for listening to Through the Eyes of a Therapist, the podcast that demystifies therapy, humanizes therapists, and destigmatizes mental illness. Until next time.